welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 14th of May 2017, entitled, Lord Have Mercy. And the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 9, verses 27 to 30, and Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. So look at two places in your Bibles this evening. I'll try to uh, behave myself and stick behind the pulpit. Uh, we'll take our first reading from, well, we'll take one reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, if you'd like to find that, put your finger there, and then turn back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. And as we read these two passages, I want you to uh, just think to yourself, what do you see in common between these two passages? It's not that they're the same account, totally different accounts. Look for what they have in common. I invite you to stand as we read, first of all, from Matthew chapter 9 and beginning in verse 27. The Word of God says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Then if you look into the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, beginning in verse 11, the Word of God says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went... They were cleansed. And one of them, which he saw that was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Father, thank you again this evening as we, Lord, have the privilege to read from your Scripture to know, Lord, that this is your inspired word, that she not only inspired through the writers all those years ago, Lord, but they even now. Lord, you've preserved it for us to this day. And Father, we thank you for your spirit that lives within. And Lord, we pray that you would truly, Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to hear that which no man can speak, but that only you can speak. Give us that this evening, knowing the heart of every individual. May we gain from your word that which we need this evening that in some way we can all leave here this day more like our Savior than when we came. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
and amen. As I said, two totally, completely different accounts. But as we look at these things, I want us to think there are actually more than one thing that these passages have in common. But I've entitled these simple thoughts this evening, and it is very simple. As a matter of fact, I was, I was challenged this week because I was talking to Antonio this afternoon. I said, you know, I said, it's hard to grasp and understand the awesome responsibility that you have as a pastor. It's not just preaching. It's not just all the hours you spend with the Lord preparing the sermon that's been laid upon your heart. But it's all the time you have to spend with God to even find out what that you're going to study, what that you're going to prepare. And I said, that takes time with God for God to speak to your own heart. And it, you know, God lays things on your heart in different ways. It may be during that personal devotion time that you're spending with the Lord, just through your own reading, through things that happen all around you all the time. Uh, I was reminded a couple of times this week, and, and, and one thing that uh, that came to mind is one of my great heroes of the faith, of course, Brother uh, Pastor Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. And it was said that he used to carry a little notebook with him everywhere he went. And of course, he, he literally, it was just relentless. I mean, they didn't have the modern ways of transport that we have today. Uh, and yet the, the amount of times he would preach during a week and going and going, and, and apparently a lot of that time was spent on public transport, on trains and things. And he would, he would take this little notebook and he carried with him and he would just make notes what people were doing there and what people were saying there. And it was these notes that many times then in his times of devotion that, that God would use to, to, to lay sermons upon him heart or uh, to give him illustrations to use in those sermons and things like that. And it was in reading one of his, his sermons during one of my devotion times during the week that I began to think on these, on these thoughts. And, uh, uh, and it was really several of, of, a couple of those sermons that, uh, that came together in recognizing the simplicity so many times of some of the great sermons that, that, that God uses so many times. It reminded me of what another preacher said one time that we really need to quit preaching about the Bible and about Jesus, but just preach Jesus. And, uh, and so really this evening, our thoughts are on this simple message that God just, uh, uh, just burdened my heart. I didn't know who would be here and who wouldn't be here. Uh, and I realized that uh, it's more of a salvation message. But I don't care what you look like, there might be somebody here this evening that you've never really been born again and you need so. There might be somebody that's listening to this later on the internet that needs to hear the simplicity of this message. Or it might be that maybe some of you here this evening that it's your friends, your family that so desperately needs to be saved. And maybe it's just a reminder on the one hand to you to not make it so hard. Salvation is simple. Nobody said it was easy, but it's one of the simplest things in all of the world. And I want to remind you here this evening as we think on this simple thought, the cry of these two blind men and of these ten lepers was simply when they cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. We touched on some things this morning in our sermon as we went back to our thoughts on, on, on heaven, one of the two eternal abiding places that we will spend eternity. And of course, Jesus Christ is the only path, the only way, the only door, if you would, uh, 
into that place called heaven. It's the only place that you can get a reservation made, and nobody's going there without reservations. You may have been invited, but has your reservation been made? But as we look here this evening, you know, I'm reminded that so many times, so many times that we heard that wonderful testimony this morning as Brother Carl presented to us his testimony, as he submitted himself to us to be a member of this, of this church here at Bethel. And he shared with us all those times, his cousin that was a preacher, all those times that he went down there to that garage because he had a broke car and he endured all this stuff about Jesus over and over and over and over and over. But then there was that day when he was out there on his own when suddenly, and he couldn't explain why, there was just suddenly that within him that he knew he had to know. And for the first time, he went back to his cousin, not because he wanted his car fixed, and his cousin couldn't really believe he was there for any other reason, but he went back because he had to know about this one called Jesus. We hear so many times of people giving their hearts and lords to the Lord Jesus Christ, and Sometimes there are people that maybe that we've witnessed to and others have witnessed to and we've, we've seen them so many times come to that point. And I've been with people that seem to struggle and try to make it so hard. We make salvation hard a lot of time. We make it difficult. We make it challenging. I want to remind you this evening about a struggle that is serious. A struggle that is serious. You see, this struggle for salvation, this struggle to truly be saved. And sometimes it's a struggle that many people go through in getting to that point of salvation. And then some of us have even had struggles with it after we've been saved. But there is a struggle, and it's serious, and we need to recognize and realize that there may be someone here this evening that has had that same struggle or is having that same struggle, or it may be one that you can relate to in the past as I can. But you see, the struggle to be saved is not God. I can promise you, God doesn't try to make it hard for anybody to get saved. God doesn't make it difficult to understand. God, uh, the Bible tells us that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. You see, the struggle oftentimes is none other than ourselves. We're actually fighting against ourselves. Now, sometimes that comes from simple ignorance, not in a nasty way. Just people are totally ignorant of spiritual matters. They don't understand. They've never been taught. They don't know what it is. They maybe have had some kind of introduction to religion. They may have known people that were religious. But I'm saying many people struggle with the whole matter of salvation simply because of an ignorance of the truth that is right there before them. It's not because they can't have the truth. It's simply because they don't have the truth. Sometimes it's not just the fact that they don't have the truth, but it's genuinely bad teaching on someone else's part. There's a lot of false teaching. There's a lot of people out there some of them are genuinely sincere. But you can be genuinely sincere and be genuinely wrong. There are people that, that add all of their own bits into what it takes for someone to become a Christian and be right with God. I'm saying that some people struggle to get in, not because of God, but because of self, maybe because that 
they're genuinely ignorant of the truth of salvation or maybe because that somebody has taught them wrong. Listen, some of the most genuine and sincere people that have ever come to my door are those that call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, those that call themselves Mormons. Listen, some of them are some genuinely nice people, and they genuinely, they're serious about a relationship with God. They've been taught bad. It's not because that God has done that to them. It's because that man has done that to them. Sometimes that struggle becomes because of our preconceptions and prejudices that have they've been built up in the mind that all kind of things, each and every one of us are where we are in life because of all the people that we have met and the situations that we've been through and all the things that have been taught us and all of these things combined together to bring us to where we are right now. We're all in a different place. None of us think exactly the same way. None of us are like the person beside us. We are who we are. Sometimes it's almost as if we've already got these preconceived ideas. Sometimes they're preconceived ideas, and I touched on this this morning, that we think that somehow we've got to clean our act up. We don't deserve to be a Christian. Amen. I know you don't. That somehow that you can quit this and you can quit that and you can start doing this and you can start going down to the church house and you can get involved in all these different things and you'll be okay. You'll be a Christian. No, you'll just be a miserable person that's trying to be something that you'll never be on your own. You see, some of those preconceived ideas and prejudices that, that we have, they're part of our mind, and, and we are the ones that are struggling with this so bad because of what we put there. And, of course, one of our great struggles with self is pride. To have to admit, as these two blind men and as these ten lepers did, Lord, my only hope is for you to have mercy on me. You to have mercy on me. You see, I can't be a Christian. I can't do what I need to do. I can't do any of it. Lord, please have mercy on me. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I can't do it. It's hard for us, folks, to admit that we can't do something to admit the fact that we can't fix something ourselves. But our sinfulness is something that we can't do. I said this morning, you might actually become a little better person in the world's eyes. You might stop doing some bad things. You might get involved in some good causes. And a lot of people may look and say, wow, they're doing so much better. But you can never be a new creation. You can never be a changed person. You see, the struggle that people have to be saved is serious. But that struggle is often self. The struggles that you put there, and of course, that struggle is sometimes Satan. If the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. I can assure you, I don't need to dwell here. The Satan is going to do everything in his power. Now, don't kid yourself into thinking that you're so important that of all the millions of people on the face of the earth, Satan singled you out because he wants you so much. See, most of the time, self is quite sufficient. Of course, it's had the influence of Satan and this sinful world 
and everything there that's, that's, that's made you who you are today, oftentimes itself, sometimes it can be Satan. Satan's not going to make it easy for you. If Satan sees you getting close, I can assure you, whether it's through somebody else or some something, he doesn't care how. Anything he can do to deter you, he's happy to do it. Sometimes Satan, often self. You know what? The, the struggle is sometimes just in the signs of what we want to experience and see for ourselves. <laughs> what do people look for? When they're struggling with this whole matter of salvation, you see, some people think that they have to have this sudden awareness of sin like they've never had before and this dread of judgment one day that actually breaks them into despair and they virtually break down and they can't do anything else. Hey, I have seen people that became so aware of their sin that it was despairing and they did break down. I can actually honestly say in my own experience, <laughs> when I came to God as a 12-year-old boy, I didn't see myself as some awful, vile sinner. I'd been raised in a Christian home, and I knew I'd done some things disobedient. I just saw the fact that I knew that I was a sinner, and there was only one thing that would save me. I didn't cry, and, and, and I wasn't a broken person, but I was genuine and sincere, and when I saw now, when I went away from God and came back at 21 years old, I was a totally broken person because when I went before God that time, I had a lot to be ashamed of. I couldn't believe that I had disgraced the one that had loved me so much. You know, God didn't hear my prayer one time and not the other because of the way that I was feeling emotionally. Some people struggle because... They're not reacting or feeling emotionally what somebody else has felt. Some people expect this sudden blaze of joy that's suddenly just going to take away all the problems of the world if they just come to Jesus. There is a joy, a joy unspeakable. The folks, they're looking for some emotional high so many times. They're looking for this sudden change and conversion to take place in their lives before they come to Jesus. If God is real, God, they try to make bargains with people. God, help me to do this and I'll do that, blah, blah, blah. They find that sometimes they want some sudden sensation of being overcome by some outside force. Sometimes people are overcome by a force called the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, nobody can be saved without Him. In other words, man is so often, he's making salvation a struggle because he's looking for some feeling, some emotion, some sensation in his life before that he'll give himself to Christ. He's wanting God to show himself, to prove himself in some way before he takes that step of faith. You see, in both of these cases, not only did the two blind men and the ten lepers cry out, Lord, have mercy. But in each case, they were told that it was their faith that had made them whole. 
It was their faith that had accomplished the work. You see, a struggle is serious, and we need to realize that. You need to realize, I'm not saying that if you've never been saved, that you're not struggling, and these are just a few things. You could be struggling with all kinds of things, but they're usually related in some way either to yourself and where you've come from and who you are. They're related to a specific battle with Satan or they're related to some sign that you're wanting God to prove himself to you before you come to him. But the solution is very simple. The solution is very simple. You see, the solution in each of these cases, the solution to what was wrong with them was turning to Jesus. <laughs> Turning to Jesus, simply turning. The struggle, may I tell you, though sometimes there is a struggle, the struggle is not required. There are those that somehow I know those that maybe have put their faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, and then sometime later they've begun to doubt their salvation because they didn't come through a certain struggle that somebody else did to get them to where they are. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says that despairing feelings are essential if you're going to get saved. I don't find anywhere in Scripture the struggling and the turmoil that it says you have to go through. The, the struggling and the turmoil are either from self or from Satan. They're not from God. He doesn't make you go through all these things. You don't have to crawl through 10 miles of hot coals and get to the other end before you can become a child of God. That's not Bible. You see, certainly our text knows nothing of that. The blind men knew they were blind. They turned to Jesus. I'm saying to you, I'm not trying to oversimplify this. I'm saying that you need to know that you're a sinner. You need to know that you're blind. You need to know that you're a leper. And you don't have to go through any specific struggle or emotion in order to get to Jesus. You've got to turn to him because he's there and he's waiting. Nowhere does the gospel demand that you go through some specific experience. They turned to Jesus. Folks, You'll never, ever, ever, ever get saved. We use this theological term. It's called repentance. Repentance. You turn away from everything else. Yes, you turn away from the sin, but it's turning to Jesus. Turning to Jesus Christ. That's what these did. They turned to Jesus. I don't care where you are. If you are a sinner, and the Bible says you are, then your requirement, if you know that you're a sinner, is to turn to Jesus. I got news for you. You can experience the greatest struggle that anybody has ever struggled. But it won't be salvation. That won't save you. Just because you fought with yourself, just because you fought with Satan, that won't save you. You see, there is no evidence of your salvation in how you got here, here, before Jesus Christ, before what Jesus Christ did for you. 
There's no evidence that you're saved in what got you here. There is no merit in being a bigger sinner than somebody else. Folks, we're just all simply sinners. And it doesn't matter if it's one sin or a thousand sins or a million sins. It doesn't matter if we see it as a little white lie or a big black lie. It doesn't matter. There are no little sinners and big sinners in God's eyes. Sin brings death and separation from God. I don't care how sincere you are. I don't care how much you struggle with it. I don't care how much you try. The struggle is not what saves you. The solution is turning to Jesus. Turn to him. What reason does a sinner have to turn to Jesus? Well, may I say to you that God's witness concerning his son, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You see, God's witness that Jesus Christ is his son. We've been looking at this. If you've been here for the Sunday morning Bible studies for the last several weeks, we've been looking at how we know that Jesus Christ, just as we already looked at God the Father, how that he is God, the eternal God, the creator of the universe. Although there's only one God, each of them are just as much God. You see, we've also looked... <laughs> at the witness of Scripture, Jesus Christ himself, hey, if he's a liar, then we ain't none of us got a hope. <laughs> I know that's not good English. We ain't got no hope, folks. If Jesus can lie in one place, our hope is out the window, all of it. There's nothing left. Jesus declared himself to be who he was. You see, that's something else that I see in both of these passages. Because if you look at the passage in the Gospel of, of, of Luke, you find that when these came to, to, to Jesus, when he came there, we find that the Bible says that and as he entered in a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, What? Jesus, Master. Have mercy on us. They knew that Jesus was not just another man. <laughs> they knew who Jesus was. Do you remember how it was that the two blind men addressed him back in, the, in, in chapter 9 of Matthew? The Bible tells us there, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. You see, why is it, what is it that should cause you to turn to Jesus? Because God witnesses it, because Jesus self, himself declares it, because God demands it. God is the one that demands it. God is the one that demands that you repent. God is the one that demands, because he's the one that laid out the plan. He commands all men everywhere to believe. Because of the promise of Scripture, do we have a hope? You see, I'm, I'm, I want you to grasp this, please. Get your feelings out of the way. Get your emotions out of the way. Get all those struggles out of the way that you're battling with, that you're struggling with. 
because they're not God. God says in his word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Another thing that both of these had in common was that they believed. It was their faith that made them whole. Why should you turn to Jesus just as these did? The blind man believed. The leper believed. And God touched them. You see, the solution was simple. The solution, first of all, there's only one place to turn. There's only one place to turn, and that's to Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you this evening, forget your struggles and your emotions. Just as these did, turn to Jesus, the only one. He's the only one. They knew. They believed. Jesus even asked him, do you believe that I can do this? I'm asking you this evening, do you believe that Jesus can save you? Do you believe that he will save you if you call upon him? You see, they believed. The solution is simple in turning to Jesus, but as you turn to Jesus, the solution is also in simply trusting. You turn and you trust. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The blind man trusted and believed. That trust then turned to a cry from his heart. Lord, have mercy. The lepers trusted and believed that same cry. Lord, have mercy. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't say enough to get saved. You can't do enough to get saved. You get saved from the inside out when he saves you on the inside. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. Salvation, even the Bible teaches us, it's so simple. Even a child can understand it. I've said time and again, it's not easy to turn your back on sin. It's not easy to turn away from your friends, to turn away from the world, to turn to Jesus Christ. But that's what's required. Simply turn to Jesus and call out to him for mercy. Believing. I told you this morning, and I do not back down, I do not apologize. I see no scriptural grounds for anybody getting saved just by believing on a man called Jesus, even calling out to a man called Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I don't see how anybody can be saved without recognizing Jesus Christ for who he is. They're, they're talking about, they're preaching, as the Bible says, another Jesus, not the Lord Jesus Christ. This evening, the struggle is serious. And the struggle is something that many times many of us have faced, or some may be facing now, people that you know. Don't pretend that it's not there. It is. But understand, the struggle is not God trying to keep somebody from being saved. That's not his business. That's not the way God works. The solution is simple, turning to Jesus Christ and trusting him and his finished work. There is no other. We sing about it earlier. Do we believe it? Have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? There is no other way. 
But you see, not only is there a struggle that is serious and a solution that is simple, I want to give you this thought in closing. There's a salvation that is sure. That is sure. You see, it's not sure. If it's based upon your struggles, your emotions, your feelings, if it's based upon what you did, if it's based upon what you changed, if it's based upon some words that you prayed, it's not sure. The only way that it's sure is when it's based upon Jesus. You see, it's a faith that is rooted within. The faith comes first and then the change. There's no way to get to God's grace except through faith. By, God, by grace are you saved through faith. Listen, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. I'm going to make a statement that I'll never be able to explain in a thousand years. You can't work up your faith. You can't build up your faith. You can't make your faith stronger by what you do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, God is the one. That faith that you have is not of yourself. Part of the true evidence of salvation, a salvation that is sure, is that you believe and know in your heart. You'll never explain it. It's a gift of God. It only comes through His Word and the working of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You don't get saved and then have faith. You have faith and then you get saved. It was by their faith that they were made whole. It was by believing what Jesus would do for them. If they called out to Him to have mercy upon them, you see, we know that it's sure when it's based upon a faith that is rooted within us, that we know without a shadow of a doubt because God said it, it's true. It's not based upon what any preacher said. It's not based upon any experience that I had. It's not based upon anything that I felt. It's based upon what God says, and I believe it with all of my heart. And that's a faith that comes from within, that only comes from God, that only comes from His Word, that only comes from His Spirit bearing witness with your spirit. You see, the humility that they experienced crying out to someone to have mercy upon you is not a cry of pride. It's a cry of humility. I deserve something far worse, but Lord, please have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. You've heard it said so many times but the truths are so simple that sometimes we just overlook them. You see, grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. You don't get one without the other. They're, if, if you would, opposite sides of the coin. One is what you're getting and the other one is what you're not getting because of it. You see, you know the salvation that's sure because of that deep-rooted faith within that you may not be able to explain, but you know it in your heart. You believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he is. You believe in your heart that what Jesus Christ did for you is the only solution. It's the only way that you can be saved. 
It's that humility that you experience when you come to recognize and realize that you're not saved and you don't stay saved because of what you do or what you change or how religious that you end up living. It's that humility of just recognizing that God's had mercy on you. It's that reconciliation. You see, I can't describe, but I have it because I know that I am saved because I've been reconciled to God. You see, I don't dread facing God anymore. I love facing God. I love getting on my face before God. Now, sometimes I have to deal with some serious stuff, and I have to ask him for forgiveness even as a Christian. I'm so thankful that I have his throne to go to and to know that because of Jesus Christ, he will hear me. He'll answer my prayer. He promised me. He promised me. He says that if I'll confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of those sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And that's a promise that sometimes is used for lost people, and I know there's other scriptures for that, but that was made to Christians. You see, there's a reconciliation that you know in your heart that's not based on your emotions and feelings and experiences and all of those things. It comes with that inward faith of when you turn to Jesus and you trust him with all your heart that he's done the work, that he's finished the work, that God's going to have mercy upon you because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And you know that in your heart and you believe that in your heart. That spirit within, bearing witness with your spirit. Folks, the surety of my salvation is based on my faith. It's based on my faith. My faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. My faith that what he did was sufficient. It's good enough. Listen, the struggles are serious. But if you're struggling with any of those issues or others, if you're struggling with something that's keeping you from turning to Jesus Christ and crying out for the mercy the mercy that he's offered you. His free gift of salvation through the glorious grace of God. Don't let the struggles keep you from turning to Jesus and trusting him and what he's done and his finished work. I struggled with my salvation for years after I became a Christian because of all these things in my head, a lot of these things that I've talked about are from my personal experience. I fought a lot of those battles. I struggled with a lot of those things. But most of you have heard my testimony before. It came to a point when I came to believe with all my heart that I was saved because of what God said, what God did, what God had done in my life. Nothing that I'd ever done, nothing that I would ever do could change that. This evening, it's that simple cry of, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Have mercy on me. And I promise you, if you'll cry out that call to him this evening, believing and trusting in him, you see, I can't give you that faith. You can't make yourself have that faith. If you don't have that faith, I'll send you to one place. God, 
and to his word. I can never give it to you. I can never tell you enough things because it's not your faith in what I say that's going to save you. It's not your faith in the prayer that you pray that's going to save you. It's your faith in him, in God, in the Son of God hanging on the cross and dying for you. It's your faith in his finished work for you. That's what you trust in, folks. Not your works, not the church, not anything else. But simply going to him, crying out for his mercy because you don't deserve anything but trusting, believing with all your heart that Jesus Christ finished his work for you and that God will save you for it. Father, Lord, I don't know why you laid this message so much upon our hearts for this evening, and I don't know who needed to hear it. Maybe there's someone under the sound of this voice that maybe they've been struggling with their salvation because, well, they've been looking to all the wrong things. They've been serious. They've tried genuinely, but they're fighting all these battles, and it may be because of or preconceived ideas and, and, and things in their mind. It may be because of bad teaching. It may be because of ignorance of the truth. There's so many things, Lord, that can, can be going on there, but I pray that you'd help them to realize, Lord, that the struggle is not you. You're not making them go through some hard time in order to find you. Lord, I pray that you'll help them to see that the solution is simple. The solution is Jesus Christ. <laughs> There is none other. These just, they came to Jesus because they believed in him. This evening, I pray, Lord, that you'd help them. And if they, if they don't have that faith that is required, I pray that they would come to you because, Lord, the only place that faith can come through is from you, through your word, by the power of the Spirit. There's nothing in this world that can give it. There's nothing that man can say that can make it happen. There's nothing that we can do within ourselves to make it happen. It's coming to you, listening to you, and believing you. I pray this evening, Lord, that you'd help them to do that, to turn to Jesus, to trust in his finished work, to trust, Lord, that he will do what they're asking him to do, just to save their wretched souls. And, Father, there may be Christians here this evening that maybe they've struggled with their salvation and maybe even they have been struggling for some of these same reasons, Lord, as I know that some of us have in the past. I pray that you should help them to realize this evening, Lord, our salvation, the surety of it, is not based upon the words we say or the acts that we perform. It's believing in our heart. Lord, our call must come out to you from our heart first, and then it will be voiced on our lips just like it was with these we read about this evening. Lord, I pray that you would help that struggling saint, Lord, that's struggling with their salvation and the Satan is maybe keeping them so ineffective because of the struggles that they're having. Lord, if they're truly a child of yours, help them to come and put their faith where it needs to be in recognizing and realizing, Lord, where the surety of their salvation lies. And Lord, help us this evening. We've got many family and many friends that are lost, and sometimes, sometimes we try to teach them and explain so many things to them. There's all kind of questions, Lord, that relate to the world around us and, and, and that relate to you and all kinds of things, but I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to recognize that all the theological training in the world is not going to make anyone a Christian. We can't teach somebody to be a Christian. Lord, the only thing that we can do is show them Jesus. Help us, Lord. 
Help us to keep it simple. Help us to allow them to see Jesus in our lives. Help us to point them to the scriptures that show them Jesus. Lord, it's only once that we have Jesus Christ in our hearts that we can even begin to grasp and understand many of these other spiritual truths. Help us not to get sidetracked on the wrong issues. Help us to recognize the simplicity of salvation. Lord, turning to Jesus, repenting, turning away from this world and our sins, but turning to Jesus and trusting in him, having that faith to believe that his work is sufficient. Help us to realize and understand that's what our family needs. That's what our friends need. Lord, and for those that are struggling, may they put those struggles aside. May they put their trust in Jesus Christ, the only one that can save them. And Lord, help us. Help us to be the witnesses that we need to. And we give you all the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.